Hi, I'm Carmen LaBurge. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen LaBurge. Thanks for listening to this special Best of Mornings with Carmen LaBurge on Faith Radio. Good morning. It is Thursday, the 30th of December. Merry Christmas. Yes, I am going to keep saying it until Christmas has ended, which is a whole season, not just a day. Today is the sixth day of Christmas. I'm going to um, start something today that we're going to actually complete tomorrow. It's like a two-day assignment. I'm going to call it the year in review. And the reason I've broken it up into two um, parts of a conversation is because uh, I think that it is worth our time to think about how we've spent our time. Time is the one resource none of us is ever getting back, and we're not getting any more of. And so spending some time thinking about how we've spent our time this year, I I think is a worthy exercise. So today, we're just going to focus on one part of how we've spent our time. And it's in relationship to the question that I ask almost every day on the program, and that is this. Where in the Word are you today? So where in the Word are you today, as we look back at a year in review, turns into where in the Word have you been? Did your mom ever say that to you? Well, she didn't say that. She probably said, where in the world have you been? Today, I'm asking, where in the Word have you been? Hopefully I'm asking it as an encouragement, reflective question, (laughs) not in any way uh, designed to make us feel guilty that we haven't been all the places we might have been or we should have been. And maybe we've been places we, well, you can't be places you shouldn't have been in the Word. You should have been in the Word. And hopefully uh, this will be a fun exercise in thinking about the places we have been in the Word of God this year. I also would like for us to uh, do a little planning and look ahead So year in review, where in the word have you been? Year in preview, where in the word are you planning to go? All right, so that's going to get us to a conversation about a Bible reading plan, a Bible study plan, a Bible sharing plan. That's going to get us to some planning. So let's do some review first. And um, this is a great uh, opportunity to actually jot things down. But if you're like me, this might be a mental list um, so much as a physical list. So what are the books of the Bible you read this past year? Like, what comes to mind? Uh, If you just completed the reading through the Bible with us um, recently, then you've read the book of Luke. If you did the one with us uh, earlier in the year, you've read the book of Daniel, like, right? So um, what books of the Bible did you read? Now, which ones did you also study? Do you know the difference? Is there a difference for you? Is there a difference in reading a passage and studying a passage for you? There's a big difference for me. Um, And so I would just encourage you to consider which books of the Bible you read, which books of the Bible you studied. Did you have a plan at the beginning of the year or some 
point at some point during the year. Um, did you follow the plan? When did you get off track with your plan? Why? All right. And then another um, year in review thing related to the Bible is this. Review your sermon notes or your Bible study notes from the past year. So under whose counsel or whose teaching did you sit? What Bible studies did you teach, attend, or listen to? Who are the Bible teachers who are speaking into your life, and what do you appreciate about them? What did God teach you? How has your life been changed by the application of the Word of God? If your answer to that is, not at all, my life hasn't changed at all, then I'm going to ask you what kind of mirror the Bible has been. Are you just seeing yourself reflected in it? Or are you seeing the Word of God reflected in you? We'll be right back. So we're talking a little bit today about where we have been in the Word of God in the past year. Where in the Word have you been? Uh, I have ranged around a bit. Uh, I have read the books that we have been studying in the context of the church that I attend. I have uh, read and studied the books that we have done um, in my Bible study group, and I have participated in the reading that we have done here at Faith Radio. So um, I have been uh, various and sundry places in the Word of God this year. Where have you been? What have you read? What have you studied? What notes have you taken? What has God impressed upon you? What has changed about your life by the application of his word? That gets us to a conversation about not just reading the Bible, but how the Bible is reading us. Yep. So I'm reading the Bible. How am I allowing the Bible or inviting God through his Holy Spirit to read me, expose those things that need to be uh, more conformed to the image of Christ or yet conformed to the image of Christ? And there are some people listening right now who have never read the Bible, and I want to um, make the case to you for why we read the Bible and why we should have a plan to read the Bible. So, you know, this isn't just like an accidental haphazard flip it open. I mean, you know, the Word of God is wonderful and great, and it's always going to be effective. But just like randomly flipping the Bible open and reading something, it's, it's, it's not like a fortune cookie. So, which, by the way, are also not real. I mean, like, that's not, that's, yeah. Okay. So we want to read the Bible. We want to allow the Bible to read us, to transform our minds, and then uh, live out uh, according to a transformed mind and a transformed life. But let me make the case for why we read the Bible and then why have a plan to read the Bible. So there are some verses in the Bible that actually talk about the value of reading the Bible. So I thought I would lift those up today as a good reminder to those of us who have been at this a while and as an introduction to those who might have become Christians at Christmas or might have returned to the Lord at Christmas and could use, you know, frankly, an invitation into the study of God's Word and if you're listening right now, you are just the person to invite someone else to read the Bible with you. So here we go. Here are some verses from the Bible that make the case for why we should read it. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 and 17. All, scri all Scripture 
is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be competent, equipped for every good work. All right, so Scripture is the Word of God, breathed out by God, and it's useful, it's profitable for teaching, for correction, for training. Why? Well, so that we might be competent and equipped for every good work. Psalm 119, uh, verse 105 says, God's word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. There's a, there's a great song about that. Um, it's just called Thy Word. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. I love that song. Joshua chapter 1, verse 8 says this of the Bible uh, and of the book specifically of Joshua. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you're going to be able to make your way prosperous and then you will have good success. Matthew 4, 4, Jesus answered, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Hebrews Chapter 4, verse 12, for the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit, of joints and marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. So let me pause there and say, <clears throat> the writer of the Hebrews is pretty clear that something is supposed to happen in us and to us when we don't just read the Word of God, but actually engage with it. It's a dangerous thing to open up the Bible. Let me just go ahead and tell you that. Um, the Word of God is living and active. It cuts us to the heart. It reveals the things about us that are yet to be conformed to the will of God. Romans 15.4 says, For whatever was written in former days, was written for our instruction. But through endurance and through the encouragement of the Scriptures, we might have hope. So let's pause there for a moment. Whatever was written in the former days, so this is the book of Romans, and so we're talking, Paul is talking here about the entirety uh, of the, the Old Testament, what we receive as the Old Testament, for whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction, which is to say that in order to understand who Jesus is and the entirety of the New Testament, we need to be students of the Old Testament as well. For whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction, that through endurance and through the encouragement of the Scriptures, we might have hope. So when we talk about a Bible reading plan going forward, let's be sure we include the Old Testament as well as the New. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. We'll be right back. Okay, we are talking today about uh, reviewing where we have been in the Word in the year past. So where in the Word have you been in the year past? Good way to, um, to remember all the places that you've been is to get your journal out. Maybe you don't keep a journal, which I am not too good about, but I am good at, um, uh, at keeping a bit of a digital record of where I've been. 
And so I am kind of uh, allowing my digital record to help me where I have been not great at keeping my own personal notes about things. So um, where in the Word have you been? And your study notes from sermons that you have uh, that you have heard, that you have engaged with, um, Bible studies that you've participated in, preachers and teachers um, whose instruction you have sat under. Maybe there are podcasts uh, that are that are Bible study podcasts that you listen to that you have um, been engaging with. So. Spend some time today thinking about where in the Word you've been in the year past. And then we're going to talk about where in the Word you want to spend time in the year ahead and how to make a Bible reading plan and why that's so important. But there's a few more verses here from um, the Bible about the study of the Bible that I want to um, be sure we take note of. And so um, I'm going to turn to 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 13, where Paul says to Timothy, Until I come... Devote yourself to the public reading of Scripture, to exhortation, and to teaching. So um, the way to know that you know something is that you're able to teach it to someone else, encourage someone else with it. So Paul is saying to Timothy, Timothy is a, a disciple of Paul, and Paul is writing to him, and this is a part of that uh, correspondence in First Timothy. And Paul is saying, look, until I come, devote yourself to the public reading of Scripture, how often do you publicly read Scripture? I mean, I publicly read Scripture a lot because, you know, here I am publicly reading Scripture. What does that look like in the context of our daily lives, to publicly read Scripture? I, I would love for my words and my conversations to be filled kind of spontaneously and seamlessly with the Word of God. I mean, without having to make reference to chapter and verse, am I a person who is speaking the Word of God into the world. I'm just a consideration. I just think that's worthy of consideration. All right. Devote yourself to the public reading of Scripture, to exhortation. That means to using what God has said to exhort others. Okay? So um, that's challenging, I think, today. And then teaching. And this is evidence that, you know, you know something if you can actually teach it. So what have you been teaching in terms of the Word of God? Who have you been teaching? Who are you discipling? Um, I mean, are you, well, hmm. are we disciples if we're not actively making disciples? Like, isn't that the test of discipleship, that we would be dis making other disciples? So who are you teaching? Who are you shepherding? And Paul is saying to Timothy, look, you know, you're, you're a young guy, but you still ought to be discipling other people, ex exhorting them and teaching them um, the Word of God. First Peter chapter 2, verse 2, like newborn infants long for the pure spiritual milk, that by it you may grow up into salvation. Do you yearn to spend time with God in his word? As Psalm 1, verse 2 says, his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. Do you delight in spending time with the Lord in his word? Are you meditating on the Word of God day and night? Job 23.12, uh, I have not departed from the commandment of his lips. I have treasured the words of his mouth more than my portion of food. 
do we treasure the words of God more than we treasure our portion of food every day? Matthew says in chapter 24 of his gospel, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. Okay, that's, that's Jesus talking about the very word of God. Isaiah 40, verse 8, the grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of God will stand forever. And then again, this, this final verse from, uh, again, from Paul to Timothy, this in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 15. Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who has no need to be ashamed, rightly handling the word of God. That, um, that is my husband's chief concern. His chief concern is that we as Christians would be rightly handling the Word of God. It is not something um, to deal with casually or as if we uh, have authority over it. Consider for a moment not just where you've been in the Word, but how you've handled the Word of God. Do you know how to rightly handle the Word of Truth? If not, let this next year be a really wonderful opportunity to not just read the Bible and read the Bible together and read the Bible according to a plan, but learn to teach it. That's my invitation. Let us each and every one not just be, become better students of the Word of God, which we must do. Let us be people who crave it, who delight in it, who meditate on it, who um, treasure the words in our mouths, who um, want to pass it along to others, want to read it with others, want to study it with others, people who become prepared to teach it to others, rightly handling the word of truth. In order to do that, we're going to have to have a plan. We're going to have to know how to rightly handle the word of God, and we're going to have to make a plan for being in the word. Otherwise, you know, the rest of life is just going to swamp us. So I encourage you um, to make a Bible reading plan. I mean, there, there's so many available. Um, they're not hard to find. Um, find one that works for you. And start engaging. Like, get your plan together before the first of the year so that on the first of the year, you can enter into your plan for how you are going to be in the Word of God this coming year. Plan in advance to participate with us here at Faith Radio in our reading the Bible together. You know, I just, I've, I've mentioned, you know, we've just finished the Gospel of Luke. If you did that with us, then maybe the next book that you want to read is going to be the book of Acts. It's going to sound similar because it's written by the same writer. It's written by the same author, Luke. Um, have a, a plan for daily reading. Have a plan for weekly study. Um, I would encourage you, you know, to be sitting under the preaching of someone who is rightly handling the word of truth, someone who is actively equipping you as a disciple. Um, that also provides some accountability this is not something that's, that's meant to be done in isolation. Yes, we should have our own personal Bible study time, but we should also be um, studying the Bible with others. Why? 
because there's an accountability that comes with uh, testing the way we understand something against how it has been interpreted over the course of all of church history. And that's important. And so I'm going to encourage you in that as well. Um, My husband actually has a book um, on how to rightly handle the Word of God. If you are um, interested in that, just shoot me an email, carmen at myfaithradio.com. Again, shoot me an email, carmen at myfaithradio.com, and I'll have Jim send you a book. All right. We will be right back. So how are you doing? I mean, how are you really doing? That's the kind of question Phil Monroe would ask. He is a licensed professional counselor. He's checking in on us, uh, and we're checking in with him on the topic of mental health. How are you doing? How are you really doing? Don't just answer fine. Like, really consider how you're doing. And maybe consider talking with somebody about how you're doing. You're listening to a best of edition of Mornings with Carmen and my conversation with Phil Monroe is straight away. All right. Joining me now, Dr. Phil Monroe. He is a psychologist. He's the director of the Trauma Healing Institute at the American Bible Society. He is a visiting professor of counseling at Missio Seminary, on and on and on and on. He um, he certainly knows the subject matter we're talking about today, and he's going to help equip us to help our communities find hope through Bible-based trauma healing. Phil, welcome to Mornings with Carmen. Great to be here. Glad to be with you. Thank you. Let's um let's start with something a little bit uh, diagnostic. So here will be the question. Doctor, 18 months into the mess that we call COVID, how are we really doing? Well, that's a great question. And of course, there's a wide range of answers there. But I think we can say with great confidence that a lot of people are still hurting. There are those who are really anxious about getting back to work or having their kids go to school this fall. There are others who are unsure whether they want to be vaccinated. There are others still who are still reeling economically and haven't been able to pay their rent and don't have the jobs that they need in order to put food on the table. And then many of us have struggled to get back to church in places where we feel safe and comfortable because we're just not sure if there's another wave coming. Yeah, and I think we'd add to that all of the relational stress that's piled up, um, all of the missed, the things that individuals missed out on and families missed doing. And, you know, in, in addition to Absolutely. all of the grief, there's a lot of grief. And, you know, fran- and frankly, you know, everybody got fat. I don't know if you've noticed that. But, like, I mean, just, <laughs> there's just a lot. There's just a lot. There are literally layers and layers and layers of the ways in which we're not doing very well 18 months into this. Um, I think that as people of faith, 
We want to be people of hope. We want uh, not only to, you know, embrace the hope available to us as Christians, but we want to extend that to others. And I feel like, you know, there was this like light at the proverbial end of the tunnel and everybody was hanging their hope on things getting back to normal. Mm -hmm. It feels like now with uh, the Delta variant, it feels like that light's been turned off. So, so talk with us about that just in terms of how we address this new sense of, well, we don't have a hope in that now. So we got to find a better hope. You're absolutely right. And it can be so depleting, defeating, demoralizing to think you're almost there. And no, you're not. And even when you do come out on the other side, oftentimes we look around and we really then are only able to take stock of what we lost, of what is not going to return back to some previous normal. Um, that is an important part of actually beginning the healing journey is beginning to acknowledge the wounds, the losses, the griefs, the traumas that we've experienced and that others have experienced. Um, that really is a huge part of, uh, actually our journey of people of faith is lamenting. And thankfully the Lord has given us tons of, uh, words in scripture from a third of the Psalms to Lamentations to the book of Job to even Jesus cries of lament. We are made to lament, to bring our complaints to God and to our neighbors. And that's really part of the way forward for us all. All right. So that actually gets us into the conversation about what is Bible-based trauma healing and how it's different than secular options. Maybe we take a step back and define trauma? Trauma is, in simple terms, a wound of the heart that takes a long time to heal. It it can not be so much an event, but the experience of a difficult event that left us feeling helpless, horror, or just a a sense that life was never able to get back, um, where we maybe felt like we lost our voice. So there's lots of different things that can cause trauma, Everything from an interpersonal betrayal, like an assault or rape, but also things like a sudden loss and death or a sense that maybe people around us uh, died, but we are surviving and we feel guilty about that. All of these things can be something that creates trauma. And when we know we have trauma, usually there are some things that are happening. First off, we find ourselves reliving this awful event or events. We find ourselves trying to shut it down, just not being able to try not to think about it. And maybe we shut it down with drugs or food or Netflix or something that we're just trying not to think, but it keeps coming back. And so we find ourselves in this always on alert state, um, irritable, uh, looking for the next thing to fall apart. And so that's where, you know, I think we can recognize if we are there ourselves, like we probably know that about ourselves. Um, but we also, it's it's pretty easy for us to recognize it in other people. Like it's really easy for me to recognize when someone who I love, who I'm around enough to know them well, um, is not operating in the present moment. There, what, there's something in the past that has intruded into the present in a way that has disrupted whatever is actually going on in the present. And so when I experience that, you know, part of what I would like to be equipped to do is know how to 
take that next step? Um, how do I say it feels like there's something going on right now that doesn't have anything to do with what's going on right now? Um, I don't even know if that's appropriate. Like, help help me be more equipped to help others um, move toward what we're talking about in terms of a healing journey. Right. You're so right. It's easier to see in some people, and there are some that are much more obvious. But maybe you're seeing it in somebody who just is shut down. This is a person who used to be someone who was talkative, extroverted, but now they seem to be shut down, isolated, disconnected. Um, their emotions are muted. Um, other places, maybe they're angry all of a sudden, explosively so, and then uh, going back into isolation again. So one of the things that we can do just as a friend is, of course, to acknowledge something's happening, saying, can we talk? I'd love to be able to hear what's going on for you. And there are three simple questions that you could ask that we use in our, our Bible-based trauma healing program is, what's happening or what happened? How is that making you feel? What's been the hardest part? Those three simple questions can help someone open up and begin to talk about what's been blocked up inside them. Mm, that's so good. All right. Uh, so let me direct people to the website so that they can find uh, resources that we're discussing today. You guys can check out traumahealinginstitute.org. It is a ministry of the American Bible Society. We are talking with Dr. Phil Monroe, who heads up the Trauma Healing Institute um, for the ABS. So um, let's take a very brief break. When we come back, let's let's dig around into what is Bible-based trauma healing and, and how does it differ or what differentiates it from maybe more secular options. So that conversation up next with Dr. Phil Monroe. We'll be right back. We are healed by your sacrifice. Continuing our conversation with Dr. Phil Monroe from the American Bible Society's Trauma Healing Institute. Um, so, Phil, what is the Trauma Healing Institute? What is Bible-based trauma healing? And what differentiates it from maybe more secular options? Great question. So, Bible-based trauma healing brings together biblical material about our suffering along with basic mental health practices together into uh, a curriculum that allows people to come together and to discover what the Bible has to offer for us in our time of pain and our look for hope and healing. Um, the Bible is about restoring hope and restoring our hearts. And so we want to bring those two things together so that people can understand what's going on inside them. Um, this trauma healing program actually is a gift to us in the United States from Africa. It began in the late 1990s after the civil war in uh, Congo, when pastors were wondering, what can we do to help our people? And out of that, these lessons were formed, um, and it allows people to look at their culture, their faith, the scriptures to practice some basic things that can help them begin the healing journey. And so the Trauma Healing Institute has been supporting that, and uh, American Bible Society has been supporting that effort since 2010 
to help build out now about 20,000 facilitators who have been certified to use the materials for children, for teens, for adults all around the world. Yeah, I, I appreciate that it's global in nature. I also appreciate that it that this is one of those gifts of brothers and sisters in Christ in another part of the world that has flowed back to the United States of America. And I love that. I love that the leading edge of evangelism and discipleship, um, you know, where we once may have thought, okay, it, it's just going to go out geographically from uh, you know, from Jerusalem to Samaria and and beyond there to the ends of the earth, and that would have been here. And then you know, we had this hundred years where the gospel flowed from here, the U.S., you know, back to the rest of the world as the ends of the earth. But I really feel like the resources that are coming into the conversation today from the church around the world are often just exactly what we need at just the right time. And so thank you for um, that part of this story as well. Um, yeah, yeah it's can, been really helpful. So when we talk about Bible-based trauma healing, um, one of the things that you touched on already is lament, bringing our complaints to God. What would other parts of uh, of the conversation include? Well, yes, starting to bring our laments to God, but even in our laments is an act of worship because it is a talking to God about our pain and talking to our neighbors and really honoring each other uh, in the grief journey that um, anybody who's suffering trauma is going through. And so we are able to uh, help people begin to express that to each other, but then bring their pain to God. Um, We in the trauma healing uh, program have a, a small ceremony that helps people express their pain to God, to bring it, to really nail it to the cross. And now this isn't a magical event. This isn't a once and done kind of thing any more than it is going to church on Sunday and repeating the Lord's Prayer. It really is an attempt to say, Lord, you know, you see, you have participated in suffering with me, and I give it back to you. So that's one Uh, helpful activity. But then as people begin to heal, they may find that they need to talk about things like, how do I live in uh, relationship with people who have harmed me? How do I forgive? How do I deal with uh, topical issues such as domestic abuse or addictions or suicide and things like that, that also are related to this topic of trauma? It's it's so hard to imagine. Um, some of the places and spaces in the world where, you know, neighbors have literally butchered each other. And yet they can, they can in Christ live in community on the other side of that. It's, it's, it's so hard for us to um, imagine the grief that people have experienced in some places. And yet I look at the hostility between neighbors here in the United States. I look at the, uh, the deep divisions that we have here. And I say to myself, you know, we cut people up with rhetoric um, and we cut people up on social media and we cancel one another in the culture in ways that are, you know, frankly, just as effective uh, in many cases in terms of tearing people down in their spirit and in community um, as as has happened elsewhere. So when we talk about the trauma that people maybe are experiencing here in huge numbers, um, it is not quite like uh, the the trauma that people have experienced in other parts of the world, but the answers are the same. 
I would totally agree. Having traveled to Rwanda and uh, met with my brothers and sisters there who have gone through a genocide in 1994 where they did literally cut each other up uh, over 100 days and a million people lost their lives. I have watched how they've healed and, you know, in similar ways, they had to set aside rhetoric. They had to see each other as humans made in the image of God, people of great beauty and value to God and therefore to each other and begin to listen to each other, begin to see each other as people, not as objects or as belief systems. Mm, So good. So I've read an article that uh, you have posted at the Christian Post. If folks want to read it, uh, you can go to christianpost.com. The article is Hope and Happiness. We're beginning to heal, but are we thriving? Um, Talk with us uh, about the difference or the distance between, you know, sort of hope and moving in the direction of hope and actual thriving. And then if you would, offer to people the three things that we can do even when life is hard and it's not as we expected it to be? Yeah, I think I'll start with a little example. Probably most of us have had some physical injury that we needed to recover from. And a wound of the heart is not unlike uh, that kind of injury. And maybe you knew that it was going to take some time and you had a cast on or something like that that hindered you from really starting to you know, begin to work that part of the body again. But after a while, you began to exercise again, and you realized just how far you had to go to get back to something that might resemble normalcy. And most of us at that time can feel a little bit depressed or discouraged. Um, You know, it, it takes time. We may not be thriving. We may be doing some of the things we used to do, but we still feel under the heavy weight of the pandemic and the things that were lost in our relationships, that were lost in our society and our culture over the same period of time. We might wonder if our friends are really our friends anymore, right? Um, So what can we do in order to flourish? Well, it's flourishing is not just something that happens to you. It's something you actually have to actively go get. Um, you have to really take hold of. And the same thing with hope. Hope is not a passive state that comes to you. You have to go pursue it. So actually the way up is down. And that is to acknowledge our wounds, something I talked about a little bit before, where we are able to acknowledge what is lost and listen to the losses of others. And some of those losses that others may speak of, especially people who might not be in our communities, are things that we might be resistant, hesitant to hear. But I would encourage each other to hold space for that. But as we acknowledge what we've lost, the Bible is also replete with stories of what God has done in the past. And we have our own stories, right? We have our stories that we can tell. And actually, part of the healing process is telling the story of loss and survival. Well, you know, this is what Joseph does. What you intended for evil, God has intended for good. So it doesn't mean that everything that happened to us is good, but there is a story of God's care for us in the process. And to do all this, to lament and to tell these stories, we need our community, right? So find people around you, who can be your body of Christ, who will do these things with and for you. This is essential. We cannot go it alone. Yeah, trauma recovery is not something, uh, this journey of healing is not something that happens all by ourselves, even in the 
you know, even in the quiet uh, with the Lord, our God. So we want to encourage you, um, if you are experiencing or have experienced trauma, um, we would love for you to access the trauma healing that is available, traumahealinginstitute.org. Maybe you are a part of a worshiping community where you might like to bring this into the life of your church. Uh, There's ways to do that as well. There are 20,000 facilitators equipped worldwide in the um, uh, in the practice of Bible-based trauma healing through the American Bible Society's trauma healing ministry. Dr. Phil Monroe, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. We'll be right back. Well, the hour is officially uh, winding down here. The clock is ticking away. The hour is also upon us in terms of year-end giving and your year-end gift. So I am wondering if you're in a position to make a year-end gift. And if so, if you'd be so gracious to do so at MyFaithRadio.com. You can also text the word GIVE to 877-933-2484 as the clock winds down. We're going to wind up for another hour of Mornings with Carmen. We'll be right back. Thanks for listening to this podcast of Mornings with Carmen LeBurge from Faith Radio. If you haven't, you can subscribe to automatically receive the podcast through iTunes or the Google Play Music app. That way you never miss an episode. It's also available anytime at MyFaithRadio.com.